Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, down to verse number 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, down to verse number 25. And this is Matthew's account of the Christmas story, and specifically as it centers around uh, that first Christmas announcement coming to Joseph. And there's much to learn here about Joseph's interaction and reaction toward uh, the news that God is coming into the world, and a lot of good lessons that we can learn. So Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, down to verse number 25. Do you find your place? Let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, down to verse 25. Now the birth of Jesus, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that thing which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for uh, the privilege, the opportunity we have to gather together in this room. Father, I pray that you would teach us great truths um, about Joseph's response and obedience to that very first Christmas announcement. Father, and I pray that we would learn from Joseph's example, and I pray that we might walk therein. And in Jesus' name we pray, and all the church said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Your Bible probably has a subscript a superscript of what this passage of Scripture is probably reads something like mine, which is to say this is the birth of Christ. And while the birth of Christ is the main point of the passage, of which we should take note of, it is not the only point of the passage. You do learn of the birth of Christ in this passage of Scripture, but you do not only learn of the birth of Christ in this passage of Scripture. There are other things to learn. The, the way that God fulfills His Word, the way that God keeps His promises. Some of these we even talked about this morning. How God would choose for us to respond with courage to the news that He is calling us into something. Not being fearful to go after the Lord in some way. But a wonderful application for us this evening is we see 
this biblical manhood modeled in Joseph's response. There's, there's a lot of talk about the shepherds around Christmas season. There's a lot of talk around, about the wise men around the Christmas season. There's a lot of talk about angels, a lot of talk about Mary. There's a lot of talk about uh, all, all these different characters around the nativity scene. And there's not very much talk about Joseph, if you ever wondered that. So why isn't there as much time committed to Joseph like there are to these other Christmas characters? Well, there's probably one thing that's, that's notable, uh, notably absent, rather, in this passage of Scripture from Joseph. Joseph, in this entire passage, does not say a single word. Did you notice that? Actually, there isn't one recorded word from Joseph in all of the Bible. Not, not one mention, not one word. I, I, I suppose he's probably not that much different than you and I in that way. Women have a lot more to say than men do, just generally speaking, right? This is a safe space. Your wife isn't here. You can nod. You can say amen, okay? It's, it's a safe place for you, all right? You won't get in trouble, I promise. No one's recording you, right? It's generally speaking, women have much more to say than we do. And yet, Joseph, modeling, probably uh, a, a pattern for us in this way, at least something that we can all relate to, not one single recorded word from Joseph in all of the Bible. And yet, at the start of the New Testament, before you're out of the first chapter, you have Joseph's life being interrupted by the plan of God and then rolling forward with the life of Christ and eventually the, the start of the church and then, of course, all the letters and epistles that roll from there. So what is it that we can learn from Joseph? All right, so five ideas. Number one, write them down. Number one, godly men care about God's Word. Number one, godly men care about God's Word. Look at verse number 19. Now, that's verse 18. Verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, speaking of Mary, being a just man. And there's several different ways you can understand or interpret the word just man. Right? You can understand that as He's a stand-up guy. You can understand that as he's a just man. He's somebody who, who, who did right and loved Jesus. He did justice. He showed mercy. Similar patterns that we see in the Old Testament about men who are just. But the word just does not just mean that he's a stand-up guy, that he does right, that he works hard, that he's faithful. It certainly implies that. It certainly encompasses that. But that's not all it means. For, a, for an Old Testament Jewish man to be a just man, he is a man who must love and be deeply devoted to the law of God. This is Joseph. Yet Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Look, look at verse 22. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Man, they're even pulling to Joseph's understanding of God's Word. How, how would the angel help Joseph to understand what God was purposing in his life? How would the angel help Joseph to understand what God was doing in Joseph's life at this time? He would pull at his remembrances of the Word of God. Joseph was a man who was a godly man, 
And he was a godly man because he deeply cared about God's word, because he deeply loved God's word, and because he desired to live out God's word. A godly men are men who care about the word of God. Joseph is that kind of a man. You imagine the, the kind of compliment being given to you, like is recorded for us about Joseph's life. Joseph, a just man, is recorded. This is the attribute, the characteristic, the compliment given to Joseph for all of time. The Bible says not one word, uh, not one letter of God's word will in any wise, it will, it will go nowhere, it will not pass from the law at all. It's preserved. This is preserved about the character of Joseph, that he was a just man. If someone were to pay you a compliment, what kind of man are you? What kind of man am I? What kind of man? What, what is the, what's the adjective that they would use in order to describe the kind of man, the kind of men that we are? Oh, he's, a, he's a passionate man. He's a hardworking man. He's a, he's a diligent man. He's a football guy. He's a business guy. He's a money guy, right? Would anyone say... He's a just guy. He's a just man. That is a man who loves God's Word. That is a man who is committed to God's Word. And that is a man who desires to live out God's Word. Could that be said of you? Could that be said of me? Are, are, are we, are, are you and I, devoted to God's Word? And, and hear me on this. Are we committed to spending time in God's Word? Are we committed to memorizing God's Word? Are we committed to uh, hiding God's Word in our heart? And are we committed to living out God's Word in our lives? Would your children say about you, my dad loves God's Word? Would your wife say about you, my husband loves God's Word? Would your brothers, your sisters, would your parents, would your best friends say about you, that is a man, yes, he is a man of passion, and yes, he works hard, and yes, he's successful at business, but my dad, my friend, my son, my husband loved God's word and was committed to it. If not, if they wouldn't say that about you, why not? If, they wouldn't, if that wouldn't be the adjective used to describe you, if that wouldn't be the characteristic used to describe you, if not, why not? What is it in your life that would need to change in order for that to be the kind of description that someone gives about you? It could be, could be as easy. Here we stand at the end of 2018, the beginning of 2019. Man, many times this time of the year, people commit themselves to spending time in God's Word. You've heard me say over and over again, we ought to give God the first five minutes of our day. We should spend time in God's Word. Some of us, that's where we need to begin, giving God five minutes. God, I'm going to spend five minutes a day reading your Word, studying your Word. If there are some in the room, you can do much more than five minutes, and you ought to. You should be doing 10 or 20 minutes. You should be spending an hour in God's Word just gleaning and learning and reading and memorizing and hiding God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Are you a man who cares about God's Word? Godly men, number one, 
Godly men care about the Word of God. Number two, godly men are more concerned with what God thinks than what others think. Number two, godly men are more concerned about what God thinks and about what God has to say than they are about what others think or about what others have to say. So, so look at the verse, verse number, verse number 19. And then Joseph being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things. So, so here's Joseph wrestling with this situation, that, uh, this circumstance that he, that he now finds himself in. Here's Joseph blown away, right? At the idea that Mary is now carrying the Son of God and going to deliver the Son of God into this world. Joseph, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example. Joseph, being a just man, not wanting to have some sort of big show, was minded to put her away privately. It is during the time of the this engagement period or this uh, betrothal period. It's during this time that they would use this season to prove the purity of either the bride or of the groom. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter number 23, it's turning up, uh, becoming uh, with child during this time was actually a, a crime that was punishable by death. So Joseph, being a just man, loving God's Word, not, not willing to make her a public example, he didn't want to put on a big show, but he was also still a just man, and other people would know that, that, this, that, that Mary is now expecting a child, and what are they going to think about him, and what are they going to think about her? But, but he loves her, he cares for her, more on that. In a moment, he's kind to her, but at the same time, and Joseph is a man who cares very much about his reputation. I would imagine much like you do. This is what men, this is the language that men speak. We speak in terms of reputation. We speak in terms of honor. We, t we speak in terms of dishonor. We speak in terms of respect. And we think we speak in terms of disrespect. We, we say things about other people. Well, he disrespected me. We're more concerned about how someone disrespected us than we are more than, than we are about a lot of other things, most other things in our own lives. So Joseph is choosing to, to respond to what is a perceived indiscretion on Mary's part in the natural way in which he should respond, Deuteronomy 23, put her to death, the kind way in which he can respond, that is to just put her away privately, send her back to her family. And yet, in this situation, the godly way at which he responds to Mary is believing the message from the Lord that the angel delivers to him and then willingly endures a measure of shame that comes with that. And then willingly endures a measure of shame that comes with that. Joseph, in, in our world today, Joseph would be 
He would be culpable. He would be considered guilty by association. So Joseph, you're a man who loves God's Word. You're a man who knows God's Word. You say you go after God's Word. Mary has shown up during this time that she's no longer pure. So if you're going to follow God's Word to the fullest, you could either Deuteronomy 23 or at least put her away quietly, but you would not bring her into your house. Raise this son as your own. Treat Mary as if there were no difference. And yet that's exactly what Joseph does. We even highlighted a few weeks ago about uh, the, the, the rumors that were all throughout uh, Jerusalem and, and um, that was spread by the Pharisees and the, 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 the Sadducees and the scribes during that time about how Mary must have, must have been someone who, man, was, was uh, 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 loose in her living and went after these kind of things. They say about Jesus, we at least know who our Father is. You don't even know who your dad is. Right? This wasn't just an accusation that was pointed at Mary. This was an accusation that was pointed at Joseph just the same. I wonder if it could be said about you, said about me, that yes, we are faithful to God's Word. Yes, we love God's Word and hide it in our heart. Yes, we are kind to those who our lives interact around, but we are willing to be more concerned about what God says, about what God wants, than about what others think. And about what others think. Joseph is a godly man. Why? Because he is far more concerned about what God thinks than he is about what others think. Joseph is a godly man because Joseph loves, cares, knows God's word. Number three, a godly man or godly men, they step up and they do the right thing even when it's difficult. Godly men, number one, care about God's Word. Godly men, number two, are more concerned about what God thinks than about what others think. And number three, godly men step up and do the right thing even when it's difficult. Look at verse number 20. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. So the clouds for Joseph begin the lift. The angel reveals to Joseph in a dream that he has no reason to be fearful, but can in fact be courageous and step out and follow how God is leading in this way, even though what God is leading him to is a difficult situation. There's much to learn about this. There's much that you and I can learn about this singular idea. That we have a tendency to think that the things that God calls us to, the things that God leads us to, are always easy. It's always smooth. It's never difficult. It's never hard. And yet, oftentimes in the Bible, God leads His men and women to difficult situations that require there to be a measure of faith. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Joseph is willing to do the difficult thing, even if that means the difficult thing is the right thing. Or I should say, because 
that means the difficult thing is the right thing. Think of how difficult this would be. Joseph was not allowed to name Jesus. Joseph would have to also raise Jesus. Joseph would treat Jesus as if Jesus was his own son. We know this about Jesus, that Jesus followed in Joseph's um, um, uh, in his business, it's, it's said about Jesus. He comes back to his own hometown in Matthew and Mark chapter number nine, and it's said about Jesus. They said, "How is it that somebody who grew up here has so much wisdom? Somebody whose brothers and sisters we know. How is it that we know his family? How is it that this guy has so much wisdom and knowledge? It cannot be that this carpenter knows so much about God's word." So Jesus followed in the steps of Joseph, his stepfather. Joseph treated Jesus as if he were one of his own sons. Can you imagine that kind of job description? Being a parent at all is difficult. Being a dad certainly has its struggles and its challenges, but being a dad to the Son of God has to be the most difficult assignment of them all. Jesus, at the age of 12, is showing more understanding about God's Word than all the scribes gathered in the temple. Remember that story? And then Joseph goes back, and Mary goes back, and they're like, we were scared. Where'd you go? We thought we lost you. And Jesus goes, did you not know? I must be about my father's business. That was not about Joseph's business, right? That was about God's. You think, you think Joseph didn't have nights where he struggled with that? You think Joseph didn't have evenings where it was challenging for him? You think Joseph didn't have his own internal battles? And yet Joseph did the right thing despite the challenge, despite the difficulty, despite how hard it may be. This is what godly men do. Look here, this is what godly men do. Godly men do the right thing even when the right thing is hard even when the right thing is difficult, even when the right thing is challenging. Look here. Even when the right thing costs you something. Even when the right thing costs you something. Can it be said of you and me that we do the right thing no matter the cost, no matter how difficult it is? Do we step up by God's grace and for God's glory when others step back? Do we live our lives with a sense of of holy courage and bold conviction that our wives, our sons, our daughters can see in us? Are we teaching our sons that this is the way of manhood? Courage, conviction, doing the right thing even when it's difficult, doing the right thing especially when it's difficult. Is this the kind of pattern that we're showing our daughters that they ought to look for in a man? Is this the kind of way we're living out in front of our daughters? This is the kind of guy you should look for. Not someone who's a, who's a hunk. Not someone who has the body of a Greek god, but someone who has character. Someone who has discipline. Someone who will do the right thing no matter the cost. Are we modeling that, gentlemen? And I'm thankful Joseph did. 
I hope that I would and do, and my, my prayer is the same for you. Godly men care about God's Word. Godly men are more concerned about what God thinks than others. Godly men step up and do the right thing even when it's difficult. Number four, godly men follow through and pursue, pursue purity. Godly men follow through and pursue purity. So the angel reveals to Joseph, this thing is what God is doing in your life. This is a God thing that's happening right now. And Joseph, God is asking you to respond courageously. God is asking you to respond boldly. And then look at verse number 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And, just in case there's any question, took unto him his wife, which is Mary, and then knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he, Joseph, he called his name Jesus. Joseph did all that God wanted him to do. And while, like we talked this morning, it's important to recognize those kind of providential moments where God does what God wants to do because He's God and we're not, right? God uses both good and bad men in order to accomplish His purposes over the whole globe. Caesar Augustus thinks he's in charge, but he's not. And Caesar Augustus thinks he calls the shots, but he doesn't. That This is how God is moving and working. And while it is on one hand, true that God is providentially seeing to His own purposes and will being accomplished in this world, we should also not miss our human responsibility to be obedient to God. Yes, God providentially does what He wants, when He wants, however He wants, with whomever He wants. That's what makes Him God. But at the same time, it is our responsibility to be obedient to that God. Unless we deceive ourselves, being guilty of hearing the Word only, thinking that because we heard the Word, simply heard the Word, that we're better, let us not deceive ourselves thinking that only hearing the word is enough, but be ye doers of the word also, lest you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. It's not enough to hear it. You must obey it. You must obey it. Would the people in and around your life describe you as someone who follows through? You do what you say you would do. Would the people in and around your life describe you as someone who, if you give your word, you follow through on your word? This is a sign of godly manhood. This is a sign of biblical manhood. You remember when a handshake used to be enough? How many of you remember that, right? It wasn't just like a, you know, then you did that number. It's super gross, right? Thankful we don't do that anymore. I'm a germaphobe, so I'm so thankful we're not spitting in our hands before we go to it. But there's something to be said of that, isn't there? Godly men are men who do what they said they would do. They follow through. But not just that. Godly men are men who excel in the area of purity. Let me, let me, let me speak 
really pointedly here. What are you looking at? What kind, of, what kind of things are you following on social media? What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of individuals? Set no wicked thing before your eyes. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, but I, pastor, don't get it. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm married. Listen, far better men than you and me have tried in this area and failed. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Foolish is it to think that we can play with this sort of temptation and come out the other side unscarred, unfazed, and our families godly and loving Jesus in the same way. How are you doing in the area of purity? Are you, by God's grace, fighting that good fight of keeping your mind pure before the Lord? Are you fighting the good fight of valuing your wife in this way? Not degrading her, not holding her to some other standard of beauty, not holding her to some other image of what uh, the, the perfect lady looks like, not holding her to some other idea of what beauty is. You want to know what beauty looks like? Your wife. That is your standard for beauty. That's, my wife is my standard for beauty. Your wife is your standard for beauty. This is, this is Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden, both naked and unashamed. How, how is that? How are they both naked and unashamed? Because who did Adam compare Eve to? He had no one to compare. Who did Eve compare herself to? There was no one. She's she completely free to be exactly who God made her to be, designed her to be. So hear me on this. This is what we should be protecting in our own hearts, in our own minds, and causing our wife to flourish in how God made her to be. Godly men, godly men are men who follow through and pursue purity. We live in an impure world. And hear me on this, gentlemen. We need to fight for purity. We need to fight to keep ourselves clean, keep our minds clean. To look away, to turn the other way. Remember, remember the instruction? Flee also youthful lust. You know what that means? Run away from it. Remember Jesus' instruction? If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. And if your right hand offends you, cut it off. And so it's not just go get the rusty spoon and flick your eye out tonight. It's get away from those sorts of things. Build safety and security. Build monitors, accountability partners into your life to keep yourself pure. Give the passwords of your phone and your accounts to your wife. <gasps> what? And hold yourself, make yourself accountable in that way to, to her. We see it different in our world. We see money as something we hold and hoard and keep. And we see our sexuality as something that is loose and free and expressive 
And God sees it the exact opposite way. God says, be loose and free and expressive and generous when it comes to your money and how you give, but keep your purity close and give it to one lady, your wife, no one else. Okay, we'll get off that point because you're, you're starting to frown and give me the scowl look. Godly men follow through and godly men pr pursue purity. Godly men step up and do the right thing even when it's difficult. Godly men are more concerned about what God thinks than others. Godly men care about God's word. Last lesson from Joseph. Ready? Godly men are willing to care for others. Godly men are willing to care for others. Look how it ends. Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It's not a stretch to think of Joseph as an adoptive dad, stepfather, and yet Joseph is willing to step into a role, fulfill this role for this one called Jesus because he was coming into the world through the providential plan of God. Joseph steps up and cares for this child. This is the kind of thing that godly men do. Pure, alert, pure religion is this. It cares for the fatherless and the widows. So James says. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this. Care for the people who can't give you anything back. You know the easiest people in the room to love? People who can love you back, right? The, the easiest people to be friendly toward are people where it's, it's good for you to be their friend. You know, how many of you know what I mean, right? Like It's good to be friends with the boss. How many of you understand that, right? No one understands that. Okay, Derek understands that. Thank you, Derek. I'm glad to know that because I am your boss. So this is going to be, this is going to work. Michael doesn't know it yet, but he'll get it. Don't worry, right? How many of you know it's good to be friends with the boss? Let's try again, making sure we're still awake. Okay, good. Okay, that, that's, this, is, this is good to do. Why? Because that's the boss, right? Because he's in charge. I mean, I'm lose my job if I'm not friends with the boss. Every, everybody wants to be friends with the boss. That's the way it's supposed to go. This is how the world operates, how the world works. A pure religion and undefiled before God is this. Care for the people who can't give you anything back in return. They, they offer you nothing in return. You gain nothing by befriending them, by serving them. And Joseph, in this way, is a great example. He cares for, for this infant child. It's a wonderful example. Of course, we know Jesus is certainly offering Joseph something, right? Fame and fortune, right? I mean, Jesus is a miracle worker. He's like, snap his fingers. All the carpentry jobs can be done just that fast, don't you? Right? It'd be, it'd be a wonderful, nice tool to have. Joseph wouldn't have to go work anymore. Jesus can just make lunch appear. Then it's right there, right? No, that's not how it worked. 
Joseph cared for Jesus. There is not one recorded miracle done by Jesus for Joseph. Except this. He shall save his people from their sins. Joseph is a wonderful example of how we can live holy, obedient, godly lives before the Lord. Joseph is a wonderful example of what it means to be a man, but don't fool yourself. If you knew more, if we knew more about Joseph, we would also know that Joseph's life was full of failures, just like yours and mine. And Joseph wasn't a perfect man. There were times when Joseph didn't love. There were times where Joseph didn't obey. Joseph was just like you and just like me. And in this way, and for this reason, Jesus came into the world to save people from their sins. So in that way, Joseph has every reason to celebrate Christmas just like we do. To save his people from their sins. I wonder how is it then, with this example of Joseph, how is it that we're, we're doing? Are we godly men showing care and concern for others even though these can't do anything for us? Are we godly men who follow through? Do we do what we say? We're true to our word. We pursue purity. Are we godly men who step up and do the right thing even when it's difficult or challenging? Are we godly men who are more concerned about what God thinks or what others think? Are we godly men who care about God's word, know God's word, and are hiding God's word in our heart? It's true. Jesus coming to save people from their sins is the reason, the main point for the Christmas season. But it is also true. There are wonderful lessons we can learn from those who responded by faith to that great news. So here's my, here it is. Is it for us tonight? We're done. How will you respond to that news?